Welcome to Revive Families Connecting Hearts with researcher, author, speaker, and coach Jeff Schott. Jeff is devoted to keeping the hearts of parents and kids connected. He developed Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents target the root of behavior issues rather than whacking away at the surface. Jeff also wrote the book Going, Going, Gone, which helps parents understand the reasons kids depart the faith. It gives parents the information they need to open conversations with their kids to prevent this outcome. Learn more about Revive Family, its resources and coaching for families at revivefamily.com. Welcome back to Revive Families Connecting Hearts. I'm Jeff Schott, the founder of Revive Family, and I'm thrilled to be with you again this week as we talk about Christmas. Christmas is one of those topics that bring an immense amount of anticipation to some of us, especially those of us with younger kids. And then for others, it can lead to a sense of being underwhelmed or disappointed. And for some, it can kick off an immense sense of loneliness. But as we look at this Christmas, how do we make it meaningful no matter where we find ourselves? And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series of programs in December, having a meaningful Christmas with our families. In this session, we're going to be talking about how we build a spirit of giving, sharing, and gratefulness in our families because Each of these things are proving to bring significant emotional benefits to us personally. So if we're excited about Christmas, but concerned about how we get our kids to understand the true meaning of Christmas, or whether we often find ourselves let down or disappointed by Christmas, or we find ourselves feeling very alone, building a sense of giving, sharing, and gratefulness can really change the emotional outcome we have around Christmas, which should be a time of joy, of celebration, of building lifelong memories. And we'll talk about how we help build these things into our kids as well, because we want them to have a meaningful Christmas, not just a Christmas that's great because we got a bunch of stuff. Later in the series, we'll talk about how our family's doing and the relationships in our family, because if the relationships aren't going well, if we're not feeling close, if we're feeling alone in our own families, it will really weigh down our joy, our sense of family, our sense of unity during this time where we should be celebrating the birth of Jesus, as well as celebrating how close we are as families. This whole topic of having a meaningful Christmas was actually brainstormed by Jeff Simon, one of our board members at Revive Family. And I think because of things that have gone on in his family this year, this whole thought process of really making Christmas count is part of what he's really thinking about. And it really got me to stop and think about what leads to a meaningful Christmas as well. Is it the joy of Jesus' birth and really understanding what that means? Is it the gifts? Is it time with friends and family? What is it that can make Christmas meaningful? And this got me thinking about Christmases we've had in the past, the Christmases that stood out in my memory, and what made them really meaningful. And one of those was when my grandfather and grandmother came to live with us when I was a kid, and he was dying of cancer, and they said he had three months left to live. 
And that Christmas brought our family together in ways that we hadn't seen before. The sense that life was a blessing, the sense that life was short, was ever-present. And that engaged us kids in the house, me and my sister, more significantly with Christmas. And we did a bunch of really unusual things, including getting this 24-foot Christmas tree out of the forest in Arizona where we lived and hoisting it up with five guys with pulleys and sliding it over to the staircase so we could decorate the top and spinning it very carefully and then sliding it back. But that Christmas really sticks out because there was a sense of more giving more sharing, more care, more concern than what I had encountered as a child previously. I wasn't just focused on myself. And that's why in this session we're talking about building that attitude or that character into our families of giving, sharing, and gratitude. Each of these things are proven to have significant impacts on our emotional well-being, our emotional outlook, even our health. And so that's where we're going to start talking about giving and why giving around Christmas is so important. I know for us, we've developed that character of giving within the home and we've worked on developing it for those outside of the home. Specifically, all of our kids love to give gifts at Christmas. They work during the year, they save their own money during the year, and at the end of the year, they really put a lot of thought and time into buying special gifts for the family members. This includes their aunt, their uncle, their grandparents, and of course, Dee Dee and I as well. We found by age 8, 9, and 10, like with our youngest, Eric, they had a greater joy in shopping and finding meaningful gifts and putting time and effort into those gifts than they did about receiving gifts themselves. As I pondered this whole series, Having a Meaningful Christmas, I dug into some of the facts, some of the research around giving, and it was fascinating. In fact, researchers at the University of Notre Dame reviewed 500 studies related to giving. They found this, that giving was more common among people who were religious. Imagine that. Here we are on Faith Radio, and it's proving that those people that are religious, those people that have a faith, are more giving. They tend to have higher levels of education They own their own home, they're married, and live in smaller towns. Those are the people that tend to have a more giving spirit, a more giving heart. People are also more likely to give when they understand the need they are fulfilling, when they can relate to that need, that cause that they're supporting. And what was more interesting was that there was solid evidence that givers experienced a lot of significant benefits themselves. In fact, in a study done by the Women's Philanthropy Institute, they found that giving positively related to life satisfaction. The more people gave as a percentage of their household income, the more satisfaction they felt. And I think this is so important as we think about our kids. Are our kids feeling satisfied in life or are they always wanting more, asking for more, seeking something else to keep them busy and distracted? Maybe that's because we haven't developed in them a sense of the importance of or the value the character trait of giving. How did we develop this in our kids? Part of it was 
the fact that we make Christmas very special in our home. We put a lot of thought into the gifts that we give the kids. We take a lot of joy in giving, and so we model that giving spirit, that giving heart in our home with our kids. We also model it in the fact that we do revive family. We spend a lot of time helping other people, which really seems to have rubbed off on our kids. They pay so much more attention to what we do rather than what we tell them to do. It's amazing. Another way I think we fostered this was by having them work with others outside the home where they made money and they didn't spend it all. They saved a lot of it. They saved a bunch of it to be able to give gifts at Christmas. Believe it or not, on Black Friday, we went shopping as a giant family, including my oldest daughter who's married, my sister, my mom, my kids, my wife, myself. We all went shopping on Black Friday together, and my son, who's 11, had saved up $250 to give Christmas gifts this year, and he spent it all and came home feeling really good, really happy, really pleased with what he had gotten, with the thought he had put into it, and the fact that he was that generous. Why did we have them work and make this money outside the home? Well, frankly, one, we're in ministry, and finances seem to always be tight. So as a result of that, Our kids have grown up realizing that being responsible with money, uh, that money doesn't grow on trees, has been just part of the family DNA. So if you're one of those families that's blessed with a lot of financial resources, maybe it's time to think about getting your kids to work, to earn that money, to give gifts, because they take so much more pride, so much more pleasure, and they derive a sense of satisfaction that they just won't get anywhere else. Another way to develop kind of a giving spirit, a giving character in your home, was found by the University of Buffalo that did a longitudinal study and found that people engaged in helping behaviors with their neighbors and friends, such as running errands, cooking meals, or providing childcare, saw a reduced mortality rate compared to those who did not help others. In other words, they seemed to live longer because they were helping, they were giving of their own time, of their own talents to their neighbors and friends. And in another study, the Journal of Science found that donating to a charity actually activates neural activity in the areas of the brain that are linked to reward processing, the same areas that are activated by pleasures like eating and, yes, even sex. So giving really does have a lot of very real uplifting effects, not only within us, but within our family culture. Because when we become a giving family, we're more giving and sharing of our time and our talents, our resources with one another in the family, which is what surprises so many people when they come to visit us, how our family works as a team and shares responsibilities and enjoys working together. Which brings us to our second topic, sharing, and how do we develop in our kids in a healthy way, develop a spirit of sharing with one another, as well as sharing with others. For those of us with younger kids, we often find ourselves in the middle, where we're trying to get our kids to share their toys with each other. 
It can become frustrating. It can become a battle of wills. And so I actually looked into the research related to kids sharing their toys and found it was really interesting and helpful. And we'll talk more about this whole process of developing sharing kids when we come back after the break in just a couple of minutes. Thanks for joining me. I'm Jeff Schott, and we'll be back with more of Revive Families Connecting Hearts in just a moment. Hey, Christmas is just around the corner, and I'm Jeff Schott, the founder of Revive Family. We've been talking about giving and how it has real benefits for our kids and real benefits for us in terms of bringing about a sense of purpose, meaning, and happiness in our lives, as it actually does stimulate those areas of our brain. So as you consider your year-end giving, please consider giving to Revive Family. Your gifts not only help keep this radio program on air, but they help us deliver training in churches around the country and execute coaching with families like the one that came in last week. They were here for the entire week of Thanksgiving and joined us for Thanksgiving dinner. And where there was distance and heart in the relationships, it was amazing to see the joy and happiness as well as the hope that was born out of the time with that family here with us last week. We provide a lot of our resources in our coaching under scholarship for kids, college students, and families that just can't afford help. The mental health industry is just so expensive and far too expensive for far too many people. So if God puts it on your heart to help revive family, help kids and families in 2020, please go to our site, revivefamily.com forward slash donation, and you can make a donation today. Thank you. You're really paying it forwards in bringing hope and joy and healing to families and kids across the country. Welcome back to Revive Families Connecting Hearts. I'm Jeff Schott, and I'm glad you've come back after the break to continue this discussion about building the character of giving, sharing, and gratitude into our families because it really will help make our Christmases meaningful. And that's what this program series is all about. It's all about having a meaningful Christmas. And in the first half of the program, we discuss giving and how it has intrinsic personal rewards that lead to happiness and a sense of satisfaction in life, as well as benefits for our kids and how they view life. If you missed the first part of the program and want to go back and listen to it, you can go to our site, revivefamily.com forward slash podcast, and you can listen to the program there. You can also go to the bottom of the page and sign up to get a summary of the resources that we release every week so that you won't miss a podcast you're interested in. But at the end of the last segment, we started talking about sharing and how our family has kind of developed a sharing culture. We're much more of a teamwork environment than a command and control, do things by yourself, individual environment in our home. I'll say that's been so rewarding in a a huge change from where we started out as a family when we began our family with our first two kids, Heather and Jennifer. And I told you right before the break that I looked at the research into sharing, specifically sharing of toys between kids, and what the research indicated about that. 
And it was fascinating because research found that telling your kids to share and forcing them to give up a toy and give it to the other child didn't lead to a spirit of sharing and more sharing in the future. In fact, it almost boomeranged and went the other direction. In a study conducted by Nadia Cherniak and Evelyn Millman, found that giving preschoolers a choice related to sharing actually led to an increase in sharing behavior. Just like I've found in all of my research, they found even with preschoolers, giving the kids a difficult choice that they could decide themselves allowed them to see themselves in a new, more beneficial light, one that made them more likely to act in a sharing manner in the future. Apparently, when kids make difficult choices of their own, they infer something really significant about themselves. Discover that they can be sacrificial. They discover they can share. And that actually makes them feel good about themselves. They discover that when they make these difficult choices... It's not a negative thing, but an intrinsically positive thing because they begin to see themselves in a more responsible, more caring, sharing, more positive light. And here are three things we've found that has really helped with sharing in our home. When one of the kids comes running in and says, Jill took something from me or Hayden won't share their toy. As opposed to getting upset and coming in and issuing an edict, we found it's really helpful to get the kids to hear each other's feelings, which means getting them to share them with you in front of the other child. Because kids are so emotional, they tend to really respond when they understand how we as their parents are feeling or how their siblings feeling. And oftentimes when they hear the feelings of their sibling, it changes their heart. It changes their response and it changes the way they handle things in the future as well. We've also found that sometimes we need to step in and guide them with, with potential solutions, suggesting different options, different ways to solve the sharing of this specific toy they both want to play with. The goal of all of this is to give your kids a real decision, to empower them to become compassionate problem solvers by having them listen to the emotions of their siblings, by providing them potential solutions, and then giving them the decision. It's that decision that really causes them to learn. It's that decision that causes them to see themselves in a more positive light when they make a good decision. Then you may ask, what do you do if they make a bad decision, if one of the two makes a bad decision? Then I would ask the other child how that is leading them to feel and then leave it with that child who made the bad decision and circle back with them later. Maybe go spend a few minutes with that child that's feeling hurt by that bad decision. Do something with them. Read something to them. Whatever it is that might help them disconnect from the item. And then circle back and talk with the child that made the bad decision and ask them, hey, did you feel better about yourself or worse about yourself after you made that decision? I've found this to be incredibly powerful in all four of my kids' lives. And this brings us to the third point of how we really help our kids share. It's how we come to see our kids' weaknesses, our kids' shortcomings, our kids' failures. 
if we come in and we see it as a struggle and we see it as a battle and we are frustrated with the situation, we're really training our kids to want to protect themselves, to want to hold on more, not to want to give up, be gracious in sharing. So it's really important that when we see these issues arise, we see them as an incredible opportunity, a time where we can help our kids share and understand the feelings of others, a time where they can learn to make better decisions. We need to see this as discipleship, training the hearts of our kids to respond in loving, gracious, sharing, giving ways. This is how we build that culture. But so much of that depends on us and how we approach the situation. Do we approach it positively as a training teaching time, or do we approach it negatively as a time to come down on or punish? How we view the situation, our perspective, will make or break building kids who share freely and find it to be a benefit and something that helps them see themselves in a more positive light. And that brings us to the third topic, this whole topic of gratitude. The research into gratitude is absolutely amazing. In a study done by Robert Emmons of the University of California and Michael McCullough of the University of Miami, who have done apparently a great deal of research in gratitude, they did a fascinating study where they had people over a 10-week period write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics related to gratefulness and gratitude. And of course, they had another control group writing on something else. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. So if you're one of those people that really struggle around the holidays, maybe because of a divorce, maybe because of past family hurt that ties to the holidays, this might be something to try. Building that attitude of gratitude by actually documenting the things we have in our lives that we can be grateful for. It just leads to more positivity, a more optimistic outlook, and a more positive view of our own lives. In fact, having an attitude of gratitude is proven to decrease stress and increase both mental as well as physical health. Gratitude is one of the most important things we can teach our kids because it does lead to a more positive outlook on life, of others, and most significantly, ourselves. Gratitude is something we can really help build into our kids' lives by praying with them. When we show that we're grateful for the things we have, even the struggles we have in prayer, and where we seek God to intervene on our behalf, and we speak with Him in a positive light in spite of any challenges we're facing, and we're grateful for the life He's given us, we're grateful for salvation, we're grateful for forgiveness, and we're grateful for them in spite of their imperfections and their challenges and their weaknesses, it's amazing. We really can, through prayer, help our kids develop a grateful spirit, a grateful understanding of life that will serve them so well as they move forwards in school, in their friendships, and especially in their own future families. 
as opposed to trying to force our kids to be grateful, as opposed to forcing them to list things they're grateful for, is something that I know a mom did with a kid that I ended up coaching who was depressed and suicidal. We need to work on our own hearts first, develop an attitude of gratitude within us, and begin to show that gratitude to others, and specifically in our prayers to God, And it's amazing. It just kind of rubs off. It's not something you can force one to do. They have to begin to adopt an attitude of gratitude for themselves. So as we think about Christmas this year, and we think about making our Christmas meaningful, what better way would there be to make it more meaningful than giving, sharing, and expressing gratitude to people outside the family and within the family itself. It will draw us closer together. And that's really what makes Christmas meaningful. It's when we're experiencing love, when we're experiencing true fellowship with one another, when we're enjoying each other, that's when Christmas really becomes more meaningful, especially when we shed it in the light of the sacrifices that were made so that we could be forgiven, so we could encounter grace, so that we could share that forgiveness and grace with one another. And that's why in the next session of A Meaningful Christmas, we're going to talk about relationships and how we might be able to do some things to make the relationship stronger, tighter, be more connected at a heart level in the next program. Thanks for joining me, Jeff Schott, for Revive Families Connecting Hearts. We'll be back next week with part two of A Meaningful Christmas. Have a great week. That's it for this edition of Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed healthcare professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.